0: The worship team thank you bishop for giving me this opportunity to share what god has laid on my heart this morning amen i want to get into the word of god we have a long ways to go and i want to just step out of the way and let god do his thing what he does best and that's changing lives that's reaching down in each and every situation and not be in general but being specific god wants to help you in your situation this morning we need to have ownership for this service, saints of God, because God wants to do something in this house, and I believe He's going to do it. Hallelujah! In First Peter chapter two, I'll be reading a short reading in First Peter chapter two, verse eighteen. It says, "Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to do good and gentle, but also to the forward. for this is thankworthy." If a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongly, for what what glory is it? If, when he buffeted, if ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. Amen. Can we lay our Bibles down asking God to continue to move? Give revelation to each and every one of us through his word this morning. Let's talk to him, saints. Hallelujah, I love you, Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, I thank you, Master, for your word. God, I thank you for what you are going to do in this house. God, you have given the anointed word. God, I ask you take it from these lips and clay, Do something with it, God, Hallelujah, Master, we thank you, Amen. You may be seated. In Isaiah chapter fifty-two and fifty-three, there are several passages of Scripture that prophesy of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And there's one passage that I want to visit today. What God has laid on my heart, and we find the prophet Isaiah declared to the readers that the Messiah. Was soon going to bear upon his body the affliction of man, and through that affliction, we the world would have healing. And what I'd like to read as well in this passage is the promise of peace. In Isaiah 53 and verse 5, it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes, we are healed. What a promise. What a beautiful promise we have this morning. If you were to look only at and read the crucifixion story at the surface level through the four gospels, you would overlook the heart-wrenching details that are seemingly understated. However, the details are found bookended by the writers of the crucifixion story. It's prophesied in the Old Testament, and then it's retold time and time again in the New Testament. In the book of Matthew, I'll give you a few examples. We find Pilate has Jesus scourged prior to crucifixion. Scourged meaning whipped, lashed, punished, severely harassed, and the flesh being cut with the purpose of the whip. For that very reason, it was not just to sting, not just to make them wince, but it was to rip the flesh of whomever was getting whipped. In Matthew 27 and 26, it says this, Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Mark says this dialogue this way, And so Pilate, willing to content content the people, released Barabbas unto them, And he delivered Jesus, and when he had scourged him to be crucified. Luke 23 and 22, And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. Fayers describes chastise as blows and to scourge. So it's the same thing as we read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and finally in John chapter 19 and verse 1, then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And we have read through the gospel account of the crucifixion, and if the reader did not understand the depth of punishment that Jesus bore upon his body, the crucifixion could give the appearance of a toned down or palatable story to be told. However, the Bible shares the extent of damage as best could be told using the literary format. And I will not read all of the examples, but we know that Jesus Christ was literally beat to a bloody pulp. So much so that he was not recognizable by his own disciples. It was not pretty. There was nothing appealing. No one signed up and says, I'll go next. The only person that was wheeling was Jesus Christ walking here on earth the prophet isaiah wrote that it was going to happen and it did the crucifixion of jesus christ was brutal and vile it wasn't just the act of whipping him and the act of crucifixion but it was also the vileness that spewed out of the mouths of those that were supposed to love the coming messiah it marked a people it got the blood of Jesus upon them. They began to have something stir. There was angst against him. There was no love and compassion and I won't get into it but it's interesting that when the uh, Jesus died and and on the cross and he said it's finished and He finally breathed his last breath and what happens is the earth begins to shake and darkness came upon the earth for several hours. I think it said till noon until three o'clock, somewhere around that time. It wasn't just a brief eclipse, just because his blood touched earth and the plan was now coming together. It also says that there were those who were in the grave that came forth living and breathing and going and visiting those around them. And there stood a man that was documented and says... Surely, he was the Christ. It was after he had breathed his last breath. And there was confirmation in that very moment that someone stood up and recognized, we've done something wrong. But if he only understood what was so right about the crucifixion story. And thank you, Brother Hilton and the worship team for being obedient to the Holy Ghost and picking songs and everything that's been said leading up To this point, I believe God has ordained for someone's need, their problem in this house tonight. You don't need to search any further. It's available to you in this house. The God of heaven who created the heavens and the earth has made this service just for you. This is a bespoke, a tailored service just for your needs in this house this morning. In our text, we read the words of Apostle Peter giving instruction to the readers to be submitted to the authority over them. And servants were instructed to be submitted. And it's given unto the believers. First Peter, written by Peter himself. It's an introduction to the letter that we find was written to those that were scattered abroad through the provinces of Asia Minor. And they were the people of God dispersed throughout the lambs distant from the lambs of their fathers serving God among the godless how many feel that way this morning I sure do understanding the situation of the readers it makes a little more sense for the believers to be submitted to Authority. It was not like they were at home back among a nation of believers. But scattered would imply they were not gathered together in large bodies or sects or pieces of town that were known as the Jewish quarter. But they were scattered abroad and being out on an individual basis. And they had groups of people that would come together to worship God. But they were pushed from their homeland and assimilated into a foreign land. And as a foreigner, Peter instructed them to be obedient to the laws and the rulers of the land. And it was in this instruction that Peter could give the example back to the sacrifice that Jesus made for their salvation. And this is important because what hope would they have? They are strangers with no rights in a foreign land. No lifelong history to back up their character. They had to treat every man as a friend to maintain favor in a land that was not going against them. And they were challenging everything when they lived for God and giving their life to Him. And remembering what they had been taught in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it was. Challenged everything, the authority of the land that they dwelled in. And they were told to honor all men, honor the king, submit to their masters. And it pushes it even further, even to them, the people that are ungovernable, disobedient, and those that have an aversion to do what is right. And it was said, submit to them. But in the midst of honoring those in authority, Peter calls out two very important areas that need devotion. God and the church family. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17, it says honor all men, period. Love the brotherhood, period. Fear God, period. Honor the king, period. It was with emphasis. Peter is making sure you know how to handle and conduct yourself this isn't a continuation sentence this is everything he's calling out men the brotherhood god and the king you are to fear god we are to have reverence and honor unto him that means you conduct yourself in honor unto god the words you say the things you think what you see everything that's in front of you how you conduct yourself in honor to god Love the brotherhood. That means the complete body of believers. Don't stop at the highest level of application. Because it is easy to say, I love God's people. But it takes personal effort to say, I love you. You have to be specific in obeying the word of God. It's easy for us to say, I'm a Christian, but when you don't apply it down to your life and it applies to everybody else, you're a hypocrite. God has called us to bring this down to our level. Let him get in our corn crib. Let him tell us exactly how we should live and conduct our life. Let's take a look at John and see what Jesus has to say about the matter. And while I'm reading this passage, I want you to apply... Uh, this situation that Peter is addressing in 1st Peter chapter 2 and read this what Jesus is saying in John chapter 13 verses 34 and 35 and he says a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have love one to another You see, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. It was not a new teaching, however. This was taught to the Jews a long time ago. A long, long time ago. And in fact, it wasn't just a teaching, it was a commandment that they obey it. If you look at the Ten Commandments, over half of the commandments deal specifically on how you should treat your neighbor they focus on areas that restrict our bad behavior towards others. And when you look at sins committed throughout scripture, the violation is either against God or the neighbor, others, if you could say it that way. And if you sin against your neighbor, you've sinned against God as well. Looking at the 10 commandments, we won't read all the way through Exodus. I won't even I'll just reference them for the sake of time, but in Exodus chapter 20, if you'd like to read them upon your own time, you can. The first four say thou shalt love i'm sorry thou shalt have no other gods before me thou shalt not make any unto thee any graven image thou shalt not take the name of the lord thy god in vain remember the sabbath to keep it holy number five honor your father and your mother this commandment is one that makes it pitch over towards either way it applies to god and i'll explain that here in just a moment but it also applies when you group all of these of the uh, the commandments of, uh, of 5 through 10 the command groups them into others in that group so you find them against God or others but this commandment is one that where God has given authority delegated to the the parents by God and it's one that if you disobey them it's you're disobeying your parents but you're also disobeying God you're going against the God given Authority, And this same classification blends over to others that God has placed over us in authority. And you may be wondering, where are you going with this, Brother Golf? And we'll talk about this deeper in just a moment. But when you pick up the commandment of number six, thou shalt not kill. Well, it's, you're going to be killing others or yourself. And you're going to be violating God or others. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet. And he goes in and is very descriptive in covet. He says, thy neighbor's house, thy neighbor's wife, his servants, his livestock, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Now you may think, well, Brother Golf, that's Old Testament teaching. We'll get to that when it's talked about in the New Testament here in just a moment. But when you look at it, you cannot kill your neighbor. You cannot commit adultery with your neighbor. You cannot steal from your neighbor. You can't bear false witness against your neighbor. You can't covet anything that is your neighbor's. So God is telling us you treat him with honor and respect, but you also treat your neighbor with honor and respect. So to say this is a new commandment, it is not new. it As if it's never been taught. However, it opened a door for those who are not a Jew to be known as a follower of Jesus Christ by their behavior. There were a people, the Jewish people, that long awaited the coming Messiah. Yet he came not just for them, but he came for the entire world. Even this group of people that God has assembled this very moment. And the Jews were known for their external practices and their uniqueness of their appearance. The philosopher is known for their deep thinking and the philosophy. The military man known by his uniform. And the list goes on and on. But in none of these groups did love for someone else place them in a place of distinction. And Christians are known for the love one towards another. And this surpasses everything that the world can try to use to separate us. Because if you can love your neighbor, they'll try everything they can to make it divisive. You go to a job and you have 20 people making the same wage, going to the job, working the same hours, and you have someone that's lazy or have someone that's, and then you have people that are high productive and putting out the work and those that are just consistent every day. They're all making the same salary. But there's gonna be those little things that creep up. Why are they making the same amount of money as I am? Because I'm working twice as hard as they are. And you find division begins to come up. And saints, we have all the same inheritance. Our heavenly home, our Father has created. We must be binding ourselves together in a love one towards another. I'm going to read this passage of scripture and leave it for you and move on. First Peter 2.17, honor all men love the brotherhood fear god honor the king when we look through the scripture and the instruction that peter's giving it's made known to the people that they are going to endure hardships going back to first peter chapter 2. people are going to make accusations against them peter calls this out clearly in verse 2 chapter 2 verse 12. And there's going to be great temptations that will war against their soul Chapter 2, verse 11. And they're going to have to work through some personal development issues. Matters of the heart. Malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy, speaking evil. And the fix for all of these problems is the word of God. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word God that she may grow thereby. It's the word of God that's being preached this morning. It's the word of God that's given in testimony that reaches down and changes the lives of everyone who comes in the presence of Almighty God. It is the word of God. Looking and we get the tone of what Peter is talking about in First Peter, we look where he's talking about being submitted. Submission is important to your salvation if you don't have submission you just have religion the apostle Paul gave a similar instruction of obedience to the Roman church which was a mixed body of believers we see in Romans chapter 13 and verse 7 render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due custom to whom custom fear to whom fear honor to whom honor honor the word of God when applied properly will lead you in revelation and refreshing and the very words of Jesus to come to life through Peter when he instructed them to love one another as we read in John and the apostles Paul instructed the Roman church to obey the authorities and the reason that Paul gave this instruction is because he understood what was at stake you see the apostle Paul had been a missionary. For over 10 years at the time of this writing and Paul let them know that they're going to need strength of almighty God to live in a life spread throughout the land and as an island it was destruction was imminent but if they would tap into his teachings a strength and revival would flow out of the people that were restricted by their surroundings i'm reminded of a psalm that says this world is not my home i'm just a passing through i'm telling you here saints of god don't get comfortable this is not our calling this is not the place we should reside in and say bury me here put my house here put my tombstone here if you want but i'm telling you what this world is not my home i'm just a passing through my heavenly father is calling each and every one of us to a higher calling it's eternity it's heaven is our home it's that place to worship and magnify him forever Don't get caught up in the things of this world. The pleasures of sin are for but a season. And then you're going to be sitting there eating on the fruits of sin. And eventually you're going to get to where there's no flavor. It doesn't feed you. It don't sustain you. And you keep eating it. And you find that it doesn't taste any good. It's rotten. You realize that the scales of life begin to Fade away, and you see, I've been sitting here eating a rotten apple. Worms and rotting places on it. No one goes to an orchard. I remember as a kid, we'd go to Vaughn's Apple Orchard up there in Weston, get off the wagon and go up there with our apple picker in our bag. No one walks up and says, don't touch any of the apples on the ground, they're mine. Everybody walks up and says, give me the ones that are out of reach that no one hasn't been able to grab that wonderful red delicious and you pluck it off and you get it in your basket and you bring it down and if you're too hard with it trying to pull it off a limb it'll fall down and they got little foam in the bottom and it'll capture it and and that's the prize possession but sin has you picking apples off the ground because you don't have the strength to reach up and grab the greatness of god you can't do this on your own. No matter who you are or what you think you're empowered to do, you can't do this on your own. God has given you this word, this message this morning to equip you to get you out of eating rotten fruit on the ground. It won't sustain you and God is calling you to a higher calling to be sons and daughters of His. Whereby, wherefore ye must be needs to be subject, not only for wrath, but also for the conscience sake in Romans chapter 13. The responsibility is not only for punishment, but there is a duty to God to obey his word and those in authority over you and pay tribute also for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Now, if you if you missed what I just said, let me just explain it. We're not talking about bishops and pastors and ministry. We're talking about the people that God coordinates and moves throughout our lives, our civilization, to have rule and authority over you. We are their subjects. Because they are appointed by God, tribute is required. The tribute was made in taxes paid unto the Roman rulers from the territories that were conquered by the Roman army. And this very uh, point became contemptuous among the believers. The question was asked why they should recognize this new government authority and then give freely of their uh, finances and pay taxes upon the things they sold and bought and the land of which they possessed and give unto Rome. It was called into question. God is the highest authority. And he moves, influences, and drives people to his mission. We find Pharaoh. What did God say? I harden his heart. I harden his heart. Whether he wanted it to be hardened or not, I, the God, have hardened Pharaoh's heart. He is now your taskmaster. We, in today's day, get our minds wrapped around so many things. But whether they are in the church or a thorn unto his people, God has orchestrated everything around us. Now, I don't want to get bogged down on this point. I don't want to be political, I'm not trying to be. But presidents are known to serve and have themes or things that are product of and you see some presidents are known for the inadvertent benefits that they drive through their poor policies and bishop has said repeatedly that god is using difficult times to prepare the church for the last days if we get so caught up in the people we will miss the message for our day let me say that again saints If you get so caught up in the people the news articles the tweets the shares everything that's going on swirling around us you will miss the message for this day revival will take a step right on past you but romans chapter 13 and 7 says render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due custom to whom custom fear to whom fear honor and whom to and to whom honor you never know where you're going to end up in a strange environment, and you will need to do the bidding of the king of kings. The word of God gives the plan for growing in a difficult time, and we come back to our text. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Servants, as we read in the opening of this message, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is Thankworthy. If a man for conscience sake towards God endure grief, suffering wrongly, for what glory is it? If when ye be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently. But if when ye do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. But verse 21, for here unto where were you called? Because Christ also suffered for us. Leaving us an example that we that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but cons- committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own sin, who own self, bear our sins in his body on the tree. That we, being dead to sins, Should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. If we haven't sang about it enough this morning. I believe God is trying to tell some folks. It's by his stripes. It's the price that he ultimately paid that you would have liberty and healing in the Holy Ghost. It's by his stripes. It's the effort of that innocent lamb that laid himself down on an old rugged cross. It's the one who would not utter back in defense of his own self because he knew there was a people that he was going to call out that would speak in defense of the brutality of his crucifixion, that would thank him one day and kneel at an old-fashioned altar and weep tears of repentance and say, Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. For ye were as sheep going astray, but am now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. You're here today in this service because God has ordained you to be here and to hear the word of God. He's given you another opportunity to kneel down and repent of your sins. and Be washed and for him to pick you up and call you son or daughter. And hold you in his arms and place you around his neck. And you begin to smell like The shepherd. We are called to imitate the very nature of Jesus Christ in all things. Regardless of how difficult life becomes, follow his steps. Regardless of how difficult it is to get up every day and raise your head up off a pillow and face the problems of the day in front of you, follow his steps. It may be the lawless People around you that are making accusations against you. The very people you love may slander against you. Your neighbor, of whom you are commanded to love, may come to steal from you. Someone you love may say, I don't love you anymore. When life crushes you, we have an example, placing our feet in the exact place he stood. And taking every step that he stepped. And we are in synchronization with a Savior that's paid everything. His blood paid for all of our sins. And we should do our very best to imitate him. So others will see Jesus and not us. This church, this Bible, our bishop is not commanding us to go live in a hole. And stand there like an ostrich with our head buried in the sand. But we are told, be careful what you see, be careful what you say, be careful what you think, be careful who you emulate, because the gods of this world want you to look just like them. And before you know it, you'll say, I put on their clothes, I put on their apparel, I tried to imitate them, I thought I could do this on my own, but I look down, and I'm still a beggar, wearing different set of clothes. I am what I am. There's nothing to change that but the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that can make a difference. I was listening oh man I was listening to a testimony I wouldn't even call it a testimony. I was listening to a man who once loved this message and sang and stood Upon platforms across the apostolic churches of our nation. And he began to tell the story of his progression of backsliding. And he began to tell of him doing things that he thought he now was man enough to do. And he sat there 40 years later, retelling these stories with tears. And begin to tell, here's how I felt. I wanted to go throw up when I gave up my virginity. It didn't feel like I thought it was going to feel. When I let people around me influence me, it made me feel horrible. He goes, I went back. I was at a Christian university when this happened. I was at a place where people were supposed to be like-minded, And I had done things that I shouldn't have done. But he says, when I got back, I went to my room and I was pacing. I could not settle down. I felt sick physically of what I had done. When I thought I could do it on my own, in my moments by myself, I realized I had thrown away something so very valuable. He says, I went looking for my brother. My brother was two years younger than me. And he was a prayer warrior. He goes, I went there and found them, and they were in the church praying. And he goes, I walked up to them and interrupted. There's about five or six other young men there praying. He goes, I told him, I said, listen, you have to intercede for me right now. I have done something horrible. I can't get into details, but I've done something so very bad, and I've messed up. And they gathered around, not knowing, and began to pray for him. And I tell you this story. It may feel good for a moment, but it won't last. You'll find yourself holding a rotten apple. And when it hits, you'll spit food out of your mouth that you thought was sustaining you, but you understand it was just rotten to its core. When life crushes you, we have an example. You see, what poured out of Jesus Christ, example, is our solution. The brutality of the stripes, the spear that pierced his side, the spit that landed upon his face—the one that we, as benefactors of the blood of Jesus Christ, benefit from and look at when he smiles down upon us—the thorns. That were crushed upon his head. The piercing words of those that he had walked among and healed their people. That's my savior. And that's the one that is here this morning. The invitation to an exclusive group given by Jesus when he told everyone, love your neighbor. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 16 be ye holy because it is written be ye holy for I am holy we are given the commandment to follow in his footsteps everything that I am not he is every attempt I make to be faithful, consistent, strong seeing the best in everyone loving them I cannot do on my own everything that I need is in the blood I can only be a better Christian when I've submitted myself to the example that Jesus Christ gave. And if every time you come to church, you reach out and you grab something and it sustains you. But if you don't keep striving for the greatness in the kingdom of God, if you don't keep coming to church, if you don't keep applying the word to your life, you're going to get weak and you'll find it's easier just to stoop. And stood of reach and stretch yourself. It's easier to sit down and look at what's so readily available in front of you. And you say, well that church just says accept the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. It's a rotten apple. It's rotten to its core. Easy believism has so many people in the delusion. And we see the wounds that were afflicted that come upon me from my enemy. I expect them. However, the wounds from a friend, from family, from people you've given your life to, that you're dedicated to, people that you've loved their entire life, they cut deep and it goes to the bone. The only way to get healing is by putting on Christ. In Romans chapter 13, verses 8, it says, Oh, no man, anything but to love one another. For he that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law. If I may stop for a moment, owe no man anything. I know this speaks of finances, but I would like to apply it in this manner if you allow me. Don't carry the debt of reconciliation on your account. Pay it. Settle the debt and move on. On the other hand, love is a debt that we can never pay in full. But we are commanded to carry the love, the debt of love with us everywhere we go. And we are instructed to try to get everyone else to sign on to this repayment of love to others. You need to understand what debt you're carrying upon your shoulders even this morning. Is it the debt of sin? There's a plan that's been laid out. God will forgive you of your sins and he'll wash you and make you whole with the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the debt of bitterness and the feelings you have towards others. Is it the debt of how you've been treated and you feel upon your own body? You get weak when you think about it. But God is saying, listen, if you will just get rid of this, I'll pay the debt for you. But you got to pick up a new one and you got to carry this debt of love one towards another. Whether they agree with you or whether they don't whether you align theologically or not, everybody deserves the love of Jesus. Whether they sit on this pew or sit in the cubicle next to you, whether they're pumping gas to you or next to you in line at the restaurant, they all deserve the love of Jesus. The following set of verses call out the very commandments that God gave to Moses. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery... Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If I missed anything on my list, the love of your neighbor will cover it. Now let that sink in for a moment. When you think you're better than everybody else, are you loving them? When you think you deserve something more than the person next to you, are you really loving them? We see this again. We read it about it, talking about the Ten Commandments and to keep the commandment of a commitment towards your neighbor. You're either committed towards God or those around you. And in the end the result, your soul is taken care of. Don't get so self-centered and brought up in the things that I want to do and I, and you say I and I, but it's all about God and others and he will take care of us verse 11 and knowing that we see this very verse of scripture if it's ever applied i believe it it applies today and know in that knowing the time And now it is the high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. If you're wrapped up in sin, come home. If you're burdened down with the sins of this world, come home. There's a Father's house with the doors wide open. And if you're here today, there's an altar that lays before you. That God wants to see you come down and repent of your sins at an old-fashioned altar. And be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Speak in tongues, as the Spirit says to. And be baptized in His name. God wants to make a difference in your life this morning. But baptism is the very first step. It is a continuation of putting on Christ that keeps you. If you say, I thought that was real. I went and got baptized. I went and repented of my sins. I snorted and prayed at an altar. And I prayed until I spoke in tongues. But six weeks later, I'm still facing the same old demons. It's because you cease to put on Christ. It's a daily thing. The healing in your spirit. The hurt that weeps within. The pain that twinges when certain things are said. You still have wounds. You are still hurting. You are still weeping when you reach down in your memory. And you pull off the bandage and you look at it and say, look what they did to me. And you put it back and put a fresh bandage on. And In some cases, you don't want those wounds to heal. Because it's your justification to live the way you are. And you sit there and you clean it. And you'll pick the scab off so it stays there. Oh, it'll heal back again. and you, Oh, you put that and you put baby bandage back on it. Some of us will look at them and say, I can't wait for this to go away. I can't do what I'm supposed to do. I remember when I put a claw hammer in my left hand, my index finger, I split it wide open and put it right down the middle of it. It's a wonder what you cannot do when you have something damaged. And when you're making your living with your hands, I found it very difficult where I couldn't do my job. I'm trying, what I used to do is hold this and drive a staple into a two by four stud to put a wire on a wall. I'm now having to adjust and do this, and this finger got beat up more than this one ever did. When I'm not back to myself, you think you're making progress, but you're just limping along. And you say, oh, God, don't touch this. I remember when he said this, she said that. And you don't want this to be healed because you know, you recognize there's a problem. And you're like, no, this is my justification to keep doing what I'm doing. But when we put on Christ, what used to hurt, it'll hurt no longer. Musicians, would you come as we stand this morning? John 3 and 30. I'm going to give you an opportunity to take this preacher at his word and let God come down and touch your heart this morning. I encourage you to listen to the words that I've said that God has laid on my heart. John 3 and 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. How do you know when you're starting to put on Christ? When the things that hurt Christ hurt you. The lost souls of this city seeing the wounds of others when we focus on our wounds we lose sight of others and this is when relationships fall apart you may ask the question how is our blood different than the blood of jesus you see until modern medicine evolved our blood was used for just our individual needs we know that's different you can go and give blood but from the very beginning of time Before time was even thought of, the blood of Jesus was shed as the ultimate act of selflessness, love for the entire world. When we look at our blood, not all blood is universal and can apply to every need, but the blood of Jesus applies to every need, every sin. We have accidents and we shed our blood. The blood was shed on purpose, and that purpose has never changed. It's to wash away your sins and to give you a new look on life, to make you a new creature, to sit there and step back and say, what I used to be, I no longer am, and I have no desire. I was just talking to Sister Golf the other day. I said, you know what? Remember when I used to do this? I have no desire whatsoever. It is gone. Even when I think about it. I could care less. His blood was shed on purpose. Relationships crumble as the result of time and distance from one another. But wounds can feel the deep expanse with hurt and pain. But putting on Jesus is the only way for those wounds to be healed. Just like it is the cloak and the clothes you may put on this morning. It covers things that you don't want no one else to see but when you put on jesus it heals everything below because the blood of jesus he paid it all in first peter chapter 2 and 24 who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed As a mechanism for self-preservation, our blood will begin to coagulate and stop. But the blood of Jesus, it still flows today. Calvary was the plan, and it's still the plan that we have to experience today. God's plan from the very beginning was to wash our sins away. If you have any doubts, Galatians chapter 3 verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. What a hope. What a promise. What a change of direction that you're on right now. To be able to put him on. Come down and be baptized in the name of Jesus. Be filled with the Spirit. And if you think I can't do this, you're exactly right. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 says, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest on your soul. When you can't find healing, it's in him. When you can't find restoration in the things of this world, it's only found in him. When you can't find salvation in the church down the street, it's in this house, anything you need this morning will be found when you put on Christ can we lift our hands and magnify him this morning hallelujah God wants to do something in this house this morning God's wanting to change a direction. I felt the Holy Ghost as I begin to preach this word. God is speaking to your need, and he's zeroed in on your situation. It is upon you if we can find ourselves a, a place to pray this morning, saints. Let's make way for God's presence to come in and do what he wants to do. Hallelujah, we worship you, Savior. Hallelujah, we magnify you, Master. Would you come? Would you come and present your need unto him? Oh, yes. Would you come and taste and see that the Lord is good? It may have been days, weeks, months, or years since you walked into an apostolic service. It may be your very first time, but taste and see that the Lord is good. His mercies endure forever. Oh, yes. It's extended to every generation. The generation of present is in your day. God can reach down into your life, changing you and making you a new creation. Just submit to his will. Oh yes it is. And it flows to the Hallelujah. Can we talk to him? Oh I thank you for the blood, Master. I thank you for what you're doing in someone's life this morning.